Mark, tell us more about your work with legislative theater and the outcomes that you've seen happen in your work. Yeah, um, sure. So we've done three legislative theater projects. Um, um, I'll, the first one we did, we actually did uh, with our theater troupe. So um, you already mentioned in the introduction, uh, mm -hmm. we've now just completed yesterday. In fact, we completed our 17th season of the Poetic Justice Theater Ensemble mm -hmm. that combines theater of the oppressed and, and playback theater for the community dialogue uh, work that we that we do locally mostly here in here in Port Townsend. Mm -hmm. So it's a local team of actor activists. Very few of them are real actors. They're com community members. We actually very intentionally cast uh, with a broad demo demographics because we're trying to represent the community on all sorts of levels. Um, yeah, uh, it's teens to elders and mm -hmm. uh, 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 so and. Anyway, we used our ensemble, which is one of the only ensembles in the world that I know of that actively uses both TO and play, mm -hmm. playback. That's one of the unique things. And it's challenging because it's two, two bodies of work to train in. And playback takes a long time to get good at acting, right? Oh, you can create a forum play and do a forum play quick, quickly with mm -hmm. anybody, yeah. I, I, I think. But to get a good playback team, that's a, that's a martial art, right? <laughs> So we've we've got uh, that team, and what we did was we used playback theater. Well, we um, uh, targeted an issue uh, based on on conversations in the community uh -huh. um, of a healthcare access and affordability problem, specifically not with the poorest of the poor who would uh -huh. get um, ap Apple Care. Uh, essentially Ob Obamacare's free health care, but mm -hmm. sort of the next income level, the lower middle class, if you will, who made yeah. too much to get the free, um, free health care, mm -hmm. but they didn't make enough to actually be able to pay the premiums and the deductibles and such uh, for what they were allowed to buy their health care plan. So it was mm -hmm. this gap this uh, group that was in the so-called gap that really couldn't afford health care in this country even after Ob Obamacare. It was one of the yeah. loopholes and problems with that system, right? Mm -hmm. And we got very clear that that's, that is an important area that never gets talked about. And so we did several playback shows with audiences, many of whom had people who were in that gap hmm. and had deep stories of struggle around health healthcare access and affordability mm -hmm. locally and otherwise. Um, and so we took those stories as well as stories from within our own troop, because believe me, there are plenty of us in the ensemble yeah. with health care stories. Um, we created a forum play performed by uh, our troop. Mm -hmm. in the, the following fall. So we did the playback performances in the spring and then developed a forum play based on those stories and then um, performed it via legislative theater in the fall. And um, mm -hmm. 
what I can say is, I mean, I gave you the anecdote. This was the most engaging community dialogue on healthcare I've ever been to. That was one of our local hospital com commissioners. Yeah. And that was our target audience, the hospital okay. commissioners. Um, and a number of interesting things came out of it. Most notably, uh, now this is two, three years later, uh, a few, about a month ago, it was formally announced that a free dental clinic hmm. would be started here because that was one of the things that came out in our forum is that um, dental care, while it's technically covered even under Apple Health, um, nobody locally could get any quality dental care. There was no free dental care anywhere in the area. I had to go really far, and the ones that took it were really crap, right? And so there were horror, horror stories mm -hmm. about that. Yeah. A direct result uh, I heard after the performance was, we're going to set up a free dental clinic here. Mm. You know, we, we are going to do that. And it took several years, but it was just announced about, about a month ago. So I let our, oh, nice. our ensemble know, know this last week, and they were mm -hmm. ecstatic. It, it sort of it like yeah. that kind of an outcome mm -hmm. direct from our legislative theater. I can't express how oh, deeply yeah. satisfying that is it's like oh it's actually worth all of our efforts because mm -hmm. often and this is a complaint i've heard julian boal com complain um about mm -hmm. this boal son in in the united states how forum theater often plays out is very individualistic not not surprising from an individual from an individualistic cu culture as we are mm -hmm. here in the u.s but um that the solutions are so much focused on what do i say to this mm. boss who's sexually harassing me, or what do I say to my father who's making a racial slur? It's it's you know it's individual actions which are important. That's right. Very yeah. Important, but uh, Julian would complain. That's pretty much the forum that he would see in this kind of country, and and I tend to agree with him. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah. Certainly, it's certainly been a notable part of our forums because that's what a lot of people are dealing with it's what do I do you know yeah that's been my experience right but uh, in you know developing forum plays that are for, focused um, more okay so what are the um, institutional levels that are in operation mm -hmm. what are the systemic levels that are in operation and then when I'm developing a piece specifically for legislative theater I will definitely encourage the group to look beyond those individual struggles. Mm -hmm. you know, not, so, for, for example, our recent legislative theater project was generated very differently. That was much more cla classically. We basically uh, put out the word and got uh, to do an LGBTQ youth legislative theater project mm -hmm. and that came out of going to an uh, anti-hate rally lo locally um, the day after the election where Trump was yeah. elected and it was a small rainy gathering and uh, uh, but mm. un uncommonly uh, you know it was, it was a very small uh, number of people there but there was a, a number of youth there and they were queer youth Mm -hmm. And uh, most of them were transgender youth. Hmm. 
Hmm. And I, hmm. it was just a, a notable turnout of queer youth in a context that was pretty adult. I mean, the mm. youth don't usually yeah. show up at adult events, but they, they did. So, and they spoke. Mm. They all spoke. Yeah. Uh, that stuff. And we're speaking about their fear and distress uh, with the with the uh, election, their personal fear. And mm-hmm. this is in a small, a small, nice, pretty li- liberal town, right? Yeah. And I went, huh, something's important here. And so I spoke with some of them. And to make a long story short, we uh, set up this LGBTQ le- legislative theater. And then when the the youth that signed up for the project were all identifying transgender. I mean, that, so again, so we're working with what's going on in the community and then who's showing up, who's asking to, to have a voice mm-hmm. uh, and, and all right, let's, uh, let's just keep going. And they developed a, a forum theater play. And I really, hmm. <laughs> well, I, I feel like I have to stop and say, I was so profoundly humbled. Yeah. You know, more and more as I'm, getting older too I'm you know really taking seriously I've got to mentor people and get get out of the way more Mm -hmm. especially with all the privilege that I carry Um, but in this project I I got such a clear sense of my humility Mm -hmm. Uh, the way that I put it I I threw a party and realized partway through that I was the guest Mm. yeah yeah such (laughs) such a powerful group of, of young people now so is, politicized. Yeah, right. yeah is this video uh, on your mandala center website yeah you can see the forum play yeah. that they created the nine the nine minute forum play okay. you can see a uh, an eight minute um video summary of that legislative theater pro- project yeah both both are there plus that we uh, live live streamed it and so there may be some mm-hmm. uh footage some some mediocre footage uh, of of the full event. Okay. We have a, a lot live stream of a pre of a, our second event, which I didn't get get into. It was a youth project on the failure of the education system. Mm-hmm. That was really really cool. But uh, yeah. Um, but I'm focusing on this last one, and the last piece that I want to say about that project is so they they created um, a. A really strong forum play that focused that targeted specifically schools, um, safety, mm-hmm. safety as an issue, safety wow. in bathrooms, both yeah. in school, uh, publicly as well, um, and healthcare. Mm. Those were kind of the three major target areas institutionally, and safety, where you know police were also a part of that in, institution, um, and yeah. so we invited the key players in all those systems. We invited mm-hmm. the legislators, uh, general le- legislators to come, um, uh, House of Re- Representatives, Senate, mm-hmm. city, city councilors, all of them, some of who came, but we targeted school board. We targeted mm-hmm. principals. We um, wanted um, a- any high-ranking people at the hospital, our local Je- Jefferson Health Care to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, these are not necessarily elected officials, le- legislators, but they're policymakers that can make a massive difference in, mm-hmm. in people's lives, right? Yeah. And so to, to cut to the chase in terms of outcomes 
and why legislative theater it can be so powerful. So the, the day after the performances, we, we did two. We attempt to do two shows. Um, um, the principal of the local high school immediately called a, um, an LGBTQ uh, training team in town and set up a transgender-specific training for her entire faculty mm -hmm. and staff. Mm -hmm. That was the next day she made that wow. call. Yeah. It happened. It's a, you know, that's huge, huge, mm -hmm. right? Um, I mean, it seems like a little thing, but a really big, yeah. big deal. Yeah. Uh, and and um, the CEO of Jefferson Healthcare contacted me a couple weeks later and said, um, I'd like to contract you to do a training video for our entire staff of 700 pro providers and mm -hmm. support staff. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, and I said, so you, you're, you're open to a transgender specific training video. And he said, yes. I said, so the caveat to this is, I mean, of course, I mean, and he's throwing a ton of money at this, right? Yeah. And of course, we're interested. And I said, um, we'll do it if the content can be completely driven by a team of transgender people who really struggle with the, with the issue, that they need to get kind of bottom line say on what the content is, what they want yeah. you all to learn. Yeah. And he said, yeah. absolutely, mm. go for it. I mean, he was so carte blanche about this, mm. right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so we, we got a uh, consultation team of uh, uh, three of the youth and one adult. Uh, trans, transgender woman um, who's already been ice breaking a lot of education in these difficult in, inst institutions and mm -hmm. we did a really really strong training video that I think is kind of cut, cutting edge there mm -hmm. are training other training videos but this one I think yeah. is pretty special and that's on our website as well and it's already been shown I mean I'm when I go into the doctor uh, he says, "Hey, I saw your video that we watched your video the the, the other day. So they, it's yeah. happening." Oh, great! That's that's yeah. great concrete uh, stories. Well, it's and I mean the people involved in these pro projects. I mean they're they're in tears. I mean one of them said, mm -hmm. it's, "It's my dream come true." Mm -hmm. You know, it's, how great is that? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So real transformation occurring. Um, so. And your role in all this and, and others in, in the ensemble and at the center is as facilitator or, I guess, playback theater, use the term conductor, and theater yeah. the oppressed uses the term joker, uh, which right. is always sort of, sort of out there for me um, in terms of getting, you know, a, a firm grasp on what, it, what does it mean uh, to facilitate this kind of thing, to be... Um, you know, deep listening, these stories and, you know, navigating the toolbox that you bring, you know, what need, what will actually, what tool uh, or tools will actually help, you know, get to something concrete um, in terms of uh, addressing these systemic oppressions. So could you talk a little bit about this role of conductor and uh, joker? Yeah, um, I'll briefly touch on the conductor of playback. The conductor of playback, the joker in theater of the oppressed, is essentially mm -hmm. the facilitator, you know, and to mm -hmm. use the 
Latin root, uh, facile in French, easy, to make easy, to make learning easy. That's the job of the facilitator, mm -hmm. I think, to make easy yeah. for things to happen, right? Um, uh, the conductor, um, uh, like the musical con conductor, um, holds space and is the link from the audience to the mm -hmm. actors on stage. Um, uh, in playback theater, and I, you know, playback is such mm -hmm. an aesthetic form, and music is actually an important part of play playback as well. It can be for theater of the oppressed, mm -hmm. but it's not built into theater of the oppressed. It is built into the ritual of yeah. playback theater. Very, very important and very beautiful part of the work. Mm -hmm. The musician is sometimes considered a fifth actor on stage. Mm -hmm. it's, it's Okay. Uh, but but anyway, so the conductor's job is to create the atmosphere uh, where you know real stories can happen. By by the way, I'll just give an aside to playback theater. Even though the roots of playback theater weren't necessarily social justice oriented, whereas theater of the oppressed that's mm -hmm. definitely the right um yeah. it, it definitely can be and there has been a strong movement in the last uh, five to ten years um that playback can very much be used as a very profound and powerful so mm -hmm. social and uh, you know and we always we've always used it that way you know so for for yeah. for us it's no it's no big deal but it's 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 a notable um refocusing of the playback theater world and it's gorgeous it honors people's stories in a way that you know that's that's what it does well well and when stories are told and people are humanized perhaps oppression is mm -hmm. harder to do <laughs> yeah but so that that was just an aside about play playback theater uh, which yeah. i love I love it as much as T.O. It's, it just has a different strength. Um, uh -huh. uh, in Theater of the Oppressed, the facilitator is the joker. And it's funny, but Bilal used to joke, if you will. Uh, <laughs> he says, I'm not a facilitator. I, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a difficultator. Yes. <laughs> That's what Bilal yes. called call himself. And often, you know, it... Uh, the process of a performance in theater of the oppressed, you, and people end up feeling it's more co complicated. <laughs> they actually feel mm -hmm. less. The the it's not as simple as they thought. So I think yeah. difficult may may actually be a more accurate term in many situations. Mm -hmm. But um, the term joker is comes from not like the joker haha -ha, making a joke, but it's the the joker system is, is based on the the joker in the deck of cards, mm -hmm. the wild card, the supposed neutral that can be anything. Yeah, victor, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, you know, we could have a whole conversation on what it what is a joker. You yeah, know, there's shops <laughs> of cards. <laughs> press conference to talk about what the role of the joker is but anyway that's the source of that term and um, um and i actually like the term fa facilitator because i think part of my job is to hold space mm -hmm. so people do their work in a good way with minimal cost mm -hmm. uh wounding i mean certainly when you're doing ra race work you know uh the the dialogue if you will can sometimes be re traumatizing to people of color or if you're doing sexism yeah. work you know women and it, it's the the oppressed if you will or the uh, mar marginalized mm -hmm. uh, 
the cross of the dialogue is there. So part of my job I take very seriously as trying to create a space that minimizes that cost and maximizes the learning and transformation and so, social change that can come out of a process, whether it be a workshop or a, or a performance. So that, that's how yeah, that's I see right. mm-hmm. the role. Um, and not to impose my opinions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, except in the cre- creation of a space in a healthy, I won't say safe because there is no safe space, yeah. but, a, but a healthy space. Yeah, or a brave space is how people yeah. are describing it now. Well, uh, there is, there's a very small but growing uh, group of faculty in higher education who are beginning to pay attention to get training in and utilize uh, theater of the oppressed in classes as a, as a way to create more democratic spaces uh, in the classroom, um, you know, and to get students to become spectators, uh, spect actors and not spectators, um, you know, passive recipients of the knowledge as, as Freire has, has talked about. So uh, what, what would you say to, uh, faculty and well, K through 12 also. I mean, this is um, also using K through 12, but um, you know, and at all levels of, of education, about um, the importance of paying attention to theater of the oppressed and what theater of the oppressed has to give in terms of um, pedagogical possibilities. Yeah, I mean, there's lots of ways it can be used in a classroom or educational context. I mean, on my tax forms, I put myself down as an educator. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've also done some part-time classroom teaching. Um, But, you know, I I, I don't call myself a teacher, but I call myself an educator Mm -hmm. because I am a popular educator in in my heart uh, that I believe people learn best if they're engaged through pathways that are interesting to them. I'm also highly biased as an experiential educator. I believe, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, people learn better by doing and experiencing than just, I mean, you know, Freire talks about the banking model of education where the wise Mm -hmm. teachers information, depositing information into the the open-minded student's Mm -hmm. brain, right? Uh, You know, there is a certain amount of didactic information that's useful, but I really think, you know, the more you can get people doing, and Mm -hmm. whether it be as a theater of the oppressed trainer, I mean, I I don't sit and talk a lot in theater of the oppressed. We we just do theater of the oppressed, right? Yeah. (laughs) Right. or, you know, if you're teaching so social studies or you're, uh, I mean, I work with cl- classroom teachers all the, all, all the time, um, both um, uh, K, K through 12 and secondary as well. And, um, I mean, you can use these tools. They can do image theater. I mean, you mm-hmm. can use tools to embody some of this stuff. I mean, you can use theater in general. It doesn't need to be the- theater of the oppressed. Yeah. You just get people living stuff. You, you want to study um, uh, uh, the witch trials in Salem. You want to study Mac- McCarthyism, you know, yeah. <laughs> in the 1950s. I, I mean, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you, you can work with Arthur, Arthur Miller's Crucible. Um, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, that's, I, I think that's maybe a more known way of using theater in the classroom. But theater of the oppressed can be adapted in lots of ways. And I, 
um, uh -huh. just to embody some of what you're learning. Um, I, I teach a public speaking class. Uh, you know, it's we uh -huh. we just work with getting voice uh, to the things that you care about. It builds yeah. literacy actually profoundly uh -huh. quickly. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, truly, the use of language. Um, uh, both the embodied physical language, but also the verbal language, which mm -hmm. is a part of the, the oppressed. Students through the back door are, will learn some of what traditional classroom teachers struggle sometimes to reach them with in the more di didactic way. So mm -hmm. uh, simply on that level. And then there are issues that come up in classrooms. Um, I mean, certainly in working with university profs, um, race and gender stuff yeah. explode in classrooms regardless of the content of that class. Mm -hmm. You can use the theater of the oppressed methodologies to work with that in, I think, a more healthy and transformational way now that in and of itself is a whole skill set working yeah. with eat of that material and i personally believe that the joker the facilitator or the teacher needs to do some of their own work around mm -hmm. anti-oppression race class gender oh absolutely in order to be able to hold that space in a in a good way but um i'll i always prefer to work with the theater tools than just get people talking. I, I think there's a rabbit hole that talking can do that the theatrical methodologies can hold, can hold yeah. in a good way. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, uh, I'm speaking in more general terms, but yeah, I don't that's think helpful. More specific is helpful. You know, it's it's going to be useful at this point. Yeah. Well, I have uh, one last question um, to get you to talk about, which is, um, in what ways are you currently reinventing yourself in this work? Well, contrary to what it may sound like in this call where I've spoken a lot, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, passing the mic more. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's a constant ongoing work on my own pri privilege. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, certainly in the development of plays and working with the groups, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty good at letting people, you know, just they're, they're, they're guiding their own process mm -hmm. for sure. You know, I don't Im impose the content of workshops, um, never, never have. I'm, I'm mostly tracking people, but I, I take very seriously, especially now that I've been doing this for nearly 30 years, and mm. yeah, I, mean, I, can, I can facilitate. I'm, I'm a good joker. I, I, mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I know that. I, I'm not devaluing what I can do as a facilitator, but aside from just leading a workshop now and again or doing an annual facilitators training, which we do every every summer, we're, this is our 23rd year now, mm. that, um, uh, I have, we've started a, ment a distance mentorship program, which I think is a really important mm -hmm. development, not only in my own evolution as I'm stepping into a different, I uh, hesitate to use the elder 
that term. And mm-hmm. I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I have a lot of reverence for elders, and I, I'm, I'm not, I'm a little sheepish still about that. But, um, but that's happening, and I'm, I feel I have a responsibility to support mm-hmm. and train other jokers, particularly people from marginalized social groups. So, you know, women and people of color, I I feel really, Mm you know, a personal call to try to support folks to take the ball and run on in their own communities and do their own work. So we've developed this distance mentorship and we just completed the year's cohort Mm. last week. As a matter of fact, and we're um, we've we're halfway full for the second uh, cohort that'll start mm-hmm. in August, and mm-hmm. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with that uh, because mm-hmm. it, it feels like the advanced training that I've been looking for for years. I mean, I've mm-hmm. done a number of what we've called an advanced training. Um, you know, an additional like a level two or level three. Mm-hmm. We don't use that. You know, other other trainers use those terms, but um, but it, but more advanced trainings where people do more of the joking. And frankly, I was always at best dissatisfied with those that I was seeing. Mm-hmm. They were problematic. Anytime you use the word advanced, it's it's a setup. Yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, and involved. And and also, there's a question of access. Mm. Yeah. Who can who can fly somewhere and take an advanced training? I mean, there was a lot about it yeah. that was actually troubling me, and so uh, it took many years to get to this point. And it was really the encouragement of my wife and co-director of the Mandala Center, Jale, said, you, you, "You gotta, you gotta start mentoring in a more mm. more intentional way, not in the haphazard way that it's been happening." And you know, and um, people call you and you spend time, that's great, but how can you really support people to further their work in their own com- com- yeah. community? And so that's the premise of this distance mentorship where people are where they live and they have to be working at least one project with a marginalized group and then they mm-hmm. can do any other adaptations that they want. And we talk uh, on a video conference call once a month and mm. they get feedback from their peers and it's been awesome it's been mm. awesome i've watched them over the course of 10 months grow in ways that i guarantee you no mm. way would a, an additional week with me even come close to replicating and they mm-hmm. would have spent more money coming here just on a plane ticket from singapore well yeah <laughs> Yeah. So it's um, yeah. So that, you've got that, you've got people uh, from all over the world in this distance mentoring program. Yeah, yeah. The, we have um, Singapore. This this one that just finished Singapore, Mal- Malaysia, Mexico, and then uh, Canada and Seattle and New 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 Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. This coming one already has somebody uh, from Australia who's living and working in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, yeah, there's, um, yeah, people can do it from all over. We just have a time, <laughs> a time, uh, yeah. <laughs> time zone issue for, for the phone mm-hmm. call. And then we do private sessions as well. And we brought in a couple of guest artists, uh, uh, top TO people from around the world to do a mm. couple of guest 
patients. We had San, Sanjoy Ganguly from the Jana Sanskriti in Kolkata, India, yeah. and Katie who has just stepped down as the executive director of Theater of the Oppressed and NYC uh, for, you know, I, I, uh, my conversation with her is some similar reasons, wanting to get out of the way and let uh, other leadership take over to step away from what Katie called the culture of personality, mm -hmm. the famous jokers, many of whom are white. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Many of whom are white men, myself included. So how can mm -hmm. I be part of, how can I, it's an oxymoron, really. How can I be, lead uh, a transition away from that focus on the prominent jokers? So Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh, that's great. Yeah. So the mentorship is part of that um, shift of leadership. Mm -hmm. Well, unfortunately, we're at time or past time. There's so much to talk about here because uh, T.O. and Playback Theater and all the rest of the work that you do uh, is really interesting and in so many ways for um, the classrooms in, in various levels uh, and also for work in communities um, and the justice issues we have at our institutions. Um, so thank you, Mark, for taking the time to, to talk about all this. And, and hopefully we will uh, get some folks interested in it. Uh, and I'll provide resources for folks to get uh, some entry points um, with links to your center and uh, the workshops you do. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank, thank you. It was a real pleasure. And actually, I think Augusto would call you a multiplier huh. in the very fact that you're disseminating the information. You know, it's just letting people know that the tools and methodologies are out there and they're effective and they're good. And, and anybody can do them, at least on a fundamental level. So yeah. you're, you're helping put that, that word out. Toby, your wonderful colleague, you mm -hmm. know, with his book on adaptations of many oh. of us use, you know, taking the work and making it fit their contexts. Absolutely. Know, I think I'm a mini, mini multiplier compared to to Toby and the rest of you. But um, I think the work is important and it, it it's changed the way that I think about teaching and the way I relate to students. Um, so thank you, Mark. Thank you. been listening to a conversation with Mark Weinblatt on Theater of the Oppressed. The Nothing Never Happens team includes our audio engineer, China Wilson, with assistance from Megan Simmons. Our assistant audio engineer is Reagan Turner. Our technical consultant is Emily Gwynn. And producer emeritus is Calvin Bergamy. The theme music is by Aviva and the Flying Penguins and Lance Eric Hagen, with additional interstitial music by Lance Eric Hagen. Special thanks to Paul Myrie for the use of his music, Time to Protest, at the end of part one and at the end of part two. Thanks for listening.